worship you and encourage one another and, and hear your word and grow by the power of your spirit. And may we hear it uh, and, and not lose what we hear. May we live it out and then share it with other people who need your word and your encouragement this week. In Jesus' name, amen. All right. We'll turn your Bibles to Mark chapter 7. It was an incredible last three or four days in San Francisco. And so we're excited for, for those who are going and those who, are, uh, who have signed up. We're going to be doing a, a little meeting afterwards and a little training on that. And I'm super excited to be in San Francisco and, and share the, we've already shared the gospel a few times even this week with people on the streets. And so it's a, a lot of encouragement. And the fact that God literally rolled out the red carpet for us uh, in a way that uh, I didn't think was going to happen. I thought there would be a lot more restrictions there. In fact, the last few weeks they sort of got rid of all their COVID restrictions. And it was a very free city. Uh, and so it was a lot of fun. In fact... We had a lot of fun. The last, one of the last days that we were there, we got a little goofy and we just decided to put on full house, full blast, you know, the, the, the theme song, and, and, and drive around the, the painted lady, ladies park. If you, ever, you know what I'm talking about, the little three, the three or four houses that they, that they have there uh, from that scene. And so we had a lot of fun. And people got a kick out of that. I think they like that in San Francisco. They're like, oh, finally, a little fun, a little... Um, they didn't realize that we were nine people from Florida that were just causing havoc, and they don't realize what's coming this summer and bringing 160 of us crazies there. So it'll be a lot of fun. But why don't we turn to Mark 7 this morning? And uh, I have, uh, there's 13 verses that we're going to be doing this morning. And we want to just show you again that Jesus wasn't just interested in teaching his disciples, he wanted them to do the work of evangelism. He wanted them to participate in the word of God, to live it out. And all the while he was doing that with his disciples, uh, meanwhile, uh, the Pharisees, if you remember from chapter 2, Mark chapter 2, where he was eating with sinners, um, that was uh, bothering the religious people. Also, when he was violating the Sabbath, um, then they began to find a way to trap him and to uh, eventually kill him. And so towards the end of his ministry, we're starting to turn a page uh, here and about getting away uh, the halfway point and moving towards his death and resurrection. And so this message is going to be convicting in that Jesus is exposing the Pharisees' hearts. Again, they come on the scene. Uh, they're just doing what they do normally. Uh, and and they, they put great demands on the people. And Jesus is exposing their hypocritical hearts. Uh, and so the title of the message this morning is Pure Worship. And in order to have pure worship, the word must be central in our lives. And Jesus is going to show us that importance and what happens when we don't do that and how our hearts can become hypocritical very easily and then become cold-hearted. And so uh, why don't we read from verse 1 to 5 right here. It says, And the Pharisees and some of the scribes gathered around him. And when they had, come from, they had come from Jerusalem and had seen some of his disciples were eating their bread with defiled hands, that is, unwashed. For the Pharisees and all the Jews do not eat unless they carefully wash their hands, thus observing the traditions of the elders. And when they come from the marketplace, they do not eat unless they wash themselves there and many other things. Are many other things which they have received in order to observe, such as the washing of cups and the pitchers and copper pots. 
And so Mark is describing all this because this is, again, to the Roman audience. He wasn't, they weren't used to these sorts of traditions. And so Mark is elaborating on them so that the Romans can be caught up to speed on who these people were and their, their ways of life. And verse 5 says, The Pharisees and the scribes asked him, Why do your disciples not walk according to the tradition of the elders, but eat their bread with defiled hands? And so it's interesting, the key word there is your disciples because they're, yes, they're trying to trap Jesus uh, and it says like his disciples, but really they're trying to trap the Lord in a, in a way of saying, hey, your disciples, in, in other words, you uh, are not following the traditions of man. And so, uh, as I said earlier, Mark chapter two, verse 16 and 24 They've already been through this already. You see there, they were violating the Sabbath and Jesus was simply trying to feed his people and they weren't violating it because Jesus is the Lord of the Sabbath and you do good on the Sabbath. That was the purpose of it, his purpose to give rest and uh, to worship God. And then also when, when Mark, or I'm sorry, when Matthew got saved, he, he then got invited to, the, to this party full of sinners and, and Jesus was violating this by eating with Gentiles, with sinners and tax collectors and prostitutes. And this is why he came to seek and save the lost. This is why he came. And, and so as Mark is describing these traditions, I'm gonna give you a little bit of a background that's gonna be able to help you understand really what is going on in this passage because it may not make sense because we don't do these things today, such as uh, you know, all these different traditions of washing cups and pitchers and copper pots. And uh, we watch our, 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 our dishes and, and whatnot, but this is, has nothing to do with hygiene. And, and I'll show you that, uh, that the priests uh, were required to perform ceremonial washings. This was specifically to the priests. Now in Leviticus 22, I'm not gonna read that, but uh, it was specifically to them, not to the people. They were to go through these ceremonial washings to help them understand the purity of worship. It was just symbolic. It wasn't, it wasn't had anything to do with hygiene. Uh, it had everything to do with uh, the symbolic nature of, of, of worship. In fact, they were to worship with a pure heart and continually do these outward symbols to show uh, what is going on in the heart, how God loves a pure worship, holy worship. Also, the, then they took advantage of that. The Pharisees uh, required that all Jews were to do this as well. And so they were to adhere to the traditions of the elders. They were to wash their hands before every meal. Again, that's not a bad thing. You're thinking, that's a great thing. You should do that, especially in light of all the COVID stuff and you constantly wash your hands and hand sanitize, all that stuff. But again, Jesus is saying, none of that, none of that has to do with uh, hygiene. These people are doing this because they want, they believe that there is salvation uh, in the, what they're doing, their outward symbols. And so when they came back from the marketplace, as you saw here, they would have a, not just wash their hands, but they would be fully immersed. They'd have to fully immerse themselves in water and wash themselves because they would, you know, rub shoulders with Gentiles and Samaritans. And, and that wasn't right. For, they, didn't, they didn't want to do, no, that wasn't right necessarily according to the word of God. They had their own traditions and they continued to pile more traditions on the word and got really, really confusing. In fact, uh, their writings, they would have these commentaries and they would write so much, thousands and thousands upon uh, pages added to scripture, you wouldn't even know what the word of God is anymore. 
In fact, they would try to, what they call like fencing the Torah. They would, come, they would have all these rules and regulations uh, because they wanted to protect the holiness of God's word. But in doing so, they, 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 you no longer could see the word of God. They, they hid the word of God um, in their fight to preserve it. And uh, during the time of the Babylonians, what happened was they, they would have the, what is called the Mishnah. You maybe have heard that before. And then the Gemara, which is the rabbinic commentary. And so those two, what would be called the Talmud. And maybe some of you guys have heard that before. And, and that would be king. That would, in their eyes, they would, uh, they probably would never say that out loud, but they would, they would live that way in such a way that their commentary, their, their, uh, their opinion on the word of God and their traditions would be higher than God's word. It'd be more central. And so uh, anytime you hear the word, it is written, uh, that Jesus is referring to, or the writers of scripture is referring, that is the inspired inerrant scripture. Anytime you would hear, and you've heard him say this, you've heard it said, and then he would question the, the, their, um, what they thought about a specific sin. So for example, in Matthew 5, 21, he said, you've heard it said, uh, the ancients told you shall not murder. Whoever murders shall be guilty of the court. Now that's, that's right. But he said, but I say to you that if you're even angry with your brother, you're also guilty. Uh, Matthew 5, 27, 28 says, you've heard it said that you shall not commit adultery. But I say to you, whoever looks at a woman with lust, they also have committed adultery in their heart. And then just another one, and it really pretty much all of Matthew 5 um, is like that if you read that in Sermon on the Mount. But he says, you've heard it said, you shall love your neighbor and hate your enemy. But I say to you, love your enemies and pray for them. And so what they did was they added different traditions so that they would make themselves feel better. How many of you know it's much easier to refrain from wearing lipstick than it is from displaying pride, Right? It's so much easier to refrain from watching movies, whatever category of movies you think are bad and you won't want others to do that. And you might think, hey, I'm better than you because I don't watch these particular movies. It's much easier doing that than starting to love your enemies, right? It's much easier to wash your hands or to wash pots than serve your neighbor or to uh, refrain from having adultery in your heart. And so Jesus is exposing the hearts of these people. In fact, if you remember uh, earlier that, um, or even reading, just a cursory reading of the gospels, you'll see him calling them vipers, calling them snakes, right? Uh, Calling them hypocrites. Uh, Woe is you, you're a hypocrite. You know, whitewashed tombs, right? That's what he calls them because that's what they are. They, They are evil on the inside And they're displaying this holiness because of their own traditions, not according to the word of God. They weren't holy according to the word. They were holy, so to speak, according to their own traditions. And so the first thing we want to do this morning is is what Jesus is wanting us to do, is to guard our hearts against the traditions of man. Guard your heart against the traditions of man, especially... uh, when it relates to uh, these outward things that we tend to do. Listen to uh, the Shabbat said in, in one, Shabbat 1.3, which is from the Talmud. It says, whoever is firmly implanted in the land of Israel, whoever speaks the holy language, whoever eats his food in purity, which is the hand-washing rituals, and recites the Shema, it's Deuteronomy 6, we'll get to that in a moment, morning and evening is assured 
of life in the world to come. So they believe this is a works righteousness. They literally believe if, if you do these things, if you, if you go out to the marketplace and you happen to get, you know, you rub, rub shoulders or rub your elbows next to a Samaritan person or just pick up some dirt in a Samaritan Gentile land, you just got to go full immersion and, because these are dirty people. And if I touch them, then I won't be saved silly. I mean, just to even think about that, to even say that out loud just sounds so ridiculous, doesn't it? They also believed in that this demon lived on people's hands uh, while they were sleeping. And, and, and so overnight, the demon would just kind of sit on the hands. And, you know, the next morning as they wake up and have their oatmeal they, they, uh, or a piece of bread or whatever they got, and, and, and they, when, if they were to not wash before, they would, they would take the, the bread and they would have, a, you know, maybe some of the demon would get on them and they would swallow it. And, of course, then they'd be inhabited by demons. And so they needed to wash and make sure there's no demons on their hands. So make sure before you go to lunch today, make sure there's no demons on your hands. Germs. They can be kind of like demons and harass your body, right? But that's what they believed. They had that worldview. And so Jesus is saying, he's exposing this. He's saying, I, I, I'm not going to tolerate your religion. And he exposes, and I love what he does, is he exposes their hypocrisy using the scriptures. And so Mark chapter 6, verse uh, 7, verse 6 and 9 says this, And he said to them, Rightly did Isaiah prophesy of you, Hypocrites, as it is written, this people, these people honor me with their lips, but their heart is far from me. And that's exactly who these people were. They, in their, in their, in, they in vain, they worship me in teaching his doctrines of the commands of man. Leaving the commandment of God, you hold to the tradition of men. And so uh, basically what they were doing is they felt, hey, if I, if I do all these rules and regulations, I'll have favor with God. Not only that, but they also felt that if they did these things, they can control men. And I think that's most likely why they were in it, so that they control men. They can control Jesus in this moment and saying, hey, I know you're doing all these amazing and wonderful things. They couldn't, they couldn't fault him for healing the sick, and they couldn't fault him for, uh, for uh, feeding 5,000 and, and doing all these miraculous things. And they were getting a little jealous because he was growing in popularity, and so they figured hey, these disciples aren't washing their hands. And so if we're going to get Jesus, we're going to get him on this notion, and which was pretty silly. But Jesus, again, uses the scripture in Isaiah 29, 13, because this people draw near with their mouth and honor me with their lips, but they remove their hearts far from me, their, their hearts are far from me and they fear me. The fear of me is in the command of man learned by rote. And so these people continue, continually uh, just had an inward, uh, or an inwardly, dev- they were not inwardly devoted, they were outwardly devoted. And Matthew 23, 27, and 28 says this, hypocrites, for you are like whitewashed tombs, which on the outside appear beautiful, but on the inside they are full of dead man's bones and all un- uncleanness. So you too outwardly appear righteous to men, but inwardly you are full of hypocrisy and lawlessness. And they forgot the command of God, which was Deuteronomy 6 from 4 and 5. Hear, O Israel, Yahweh is our God. Yahweh is one. You shall love Yahweh, your God, with all your heart, with all your soul, and with all your might. And they forgot that, that that was the Shema. That was, of course, you can uh, recite that in the morning, in the evening, in the afternoon, and five times a day, but their hearts were rotten. And God sees our heart. In 1 Samuel 16, 7, it says, But Yahweh said to Samuel, Do not look at his appearance 
or at the height of your stature because I have rejected him. For God sees not as man sees. For man looks at the outward appearance, but Yahweh looks at the heart. First Chronicles 28.9, my son Solomon, know the God of your father and serve him with all your heart and a delight, in delighted soul. For Yahweh searches all hearts and understands every intent of his thoughts. And then 1 Kings 8.61 says, let your heart therefore be wholly devoted to Yahweh our God to walk in his statutes and keep his commandments at this very day. That's what God wants, a heart that is pure, a heart that worships him from a pure heart. And he's got to transform a man, transform a woman inside, from the inside out in order for them to worship God purely. And left to man, we would all do the same thing. We would all be hypocritical because we want people to like us. We want to have some sort of, it's deceptive, but have some sort of favor with God or feel good like we've done our duty, but yet remain unchanged. This is the whole world. The whole world has this kind of religion. It says here in Joel 2, uh, 12 to 13, yet even now declares Yahweh, return to me with all your heart. God is pleading for Israel to return back to him. And Jesus is saying the same with his the disciples, yes, but also the Pharisees. Return to me with your whole heart and with fasting, weeping and wailing and tear your heart and not your garments. It was just some sort of religious motion to tear your garments, but yet, uh, and to look like you have the outward appearance of repenting, but yet inside be rotten. Now return to Yahweh your God, for he is gracious and compassionate, slow to anger, abounding in loving kindness and relenting concerning evil. If you do this, he will forgive you. And God desires this pure heart, not their burnt offerings. It says in 1 Samuel 15, if you remember the story of Saul, uh, he, he, he basically disobeyed God inwardly and then just figured, hey, I'll, just, I'll, 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 I'll do sacrifices. And, and Samuel's like, look, that's not going to work because God doesn't des- delight in these things. This is not why he set up this, uh, you know, the, the sacrificial system. It is better to what? Obey than sacrifice. Uh, than to heed, to heed than the fat of rams. In other words, uh, it's the sin of divination. It's deceptive. If you go through the motions and, and you don't have a heart behind that, that is uh, displeasing to the Lord. Isaiah 1, this is even more intense. Isaiah 1, 11 through 15 says, what are your multiplied sacrifices to me, says Yahweh? I have had enough of your burnt offerings. You can hear it. I've had enough of your burnt offerings of rams and the fat of fat fed cattle and the blood of bulls and lambs or goats. I take no pleasure. Bring your worthless offerings no longer. Incense is an abomination to me. New moon and Sabbath and the calling of convocation. I cannot endure wickedness in the psalm assembly. My soul hates your new moon festivals and your appointed times. They have become a burden to me. This burdens God when we have an outward appearance of righteousness, but inward, we are full of sin and wickedness and we're okay with that. It's burdensome. So when you spread out your hands in prayer, I will hide my eyes from you. Indeed, even though you multiply prayers, I will not listen. Your hands are full of blood. And they thought they were doing the right thing. They, they, they called out, yes, they hated Jesus, but they called out him and said, your, your disciples are, are, are gonna swallow demons. <laughs> your, your disciples are, are ruining their lives. They're, it's, it, this, they're affecting their lives in a negative way. And Jesus is like, no, they're not. This has nothing to do with hygiene. It's just your self-righteous religion and it's an abomination to me. 
And Matthew 5, 8 says that blessed are the pure in heart. This is what God wants. People who are pure in heart. That is pure worship. And he's even teaching his disciples in this instance as they just got back from mission. And now they're uh, watching Jesus interact again with the Pharisees. And, and I would even imagine that the disciples are becoming more and more convicted. He's even, we're listening to this passage today, not pointing our fingers. I always I tell you that for a while now, for years. Don't, every time we talk about the Pharisees, don't just say, oh, those Pharisees, those Pharisees. Take that finger and point inward because we all have hypocrisy in our hearts. In John 4, Jesus is talking to the uh, Samaritan woman and saying, you must worship God in both spirit and in truth. And what he's saying is that in spirit, you must worship God from the heart. God wants your heart. He's not interested in, in your outward actions if the attitude doesn't match the action. And then also we're to worship God in truth from sound doctrine. But a lot of us here maybe just are like, hey, we, we, we're worshiping sound doctrine. You're like evaluating every worship song. You're making sure that the lyrics are correct. You're, you're, you're making sure the leaders are doing everything they're supposed to do. You know, every, and you're making sure everything is right. Meanwhile, you forget about your hearts. You forget about what's going on in your heart. And we could become religious and pharisaical overnight. It's so easy to do that. All of us can do that. In fact, hypocrites, the word hypocrite actually means an actor who wore masks in a play. You know, they hide their true identity behind their mask. Their true attitudes were behind the mask. They could play any part they want and everybody would look at them from the outward and say, oh, they play this role, they're this person, they're a dad, they're a brother, they're this or that. But meanwhile, inside, they're hypocritical uh, they, are, they are somebody else. They're playing a part. Now, they pretended to love God. They honored God with their lips, and yet their hearts were so far. They were, trans, they were never transformed truly on the inside. And there's so many people. I mean, we will find, yes, even in San Francisco, but even in our city, in our campus, people that say they believe in God. They do the right things. They look the part. We can be so easily deceived. And I've even found myself even talking to people you know, whether on the streets, and they look so pious, they look so put together, um, and not even talking about dress or anything like that. They just, just in what they say. I mean, we could fool people, right? You could fool everyone in your life group. You could fool everybody in, in your family. Um, it, that, that's easy to do. In fact, Ferguson said this that we profess so much and possess so little, don't we? It's so easy to do that. Uh, it's such a temptation to, to walk into our life groups and, and to, to really pretend to be something that we're not. How's your week? Oh, it's wonderful. It's amazing. I, I couldn't be better. You know, and as, as you're totally lying through your teeth, right? You know, the opposite could be true too. I mean, you could be overwhelmed. I mean, you could be tearful and, and emotional. People can cry like this and they can, and they could deceive people and people could, could feel like, oh my gosh, they love God so much, but yet they really don't. Their hearts are far. It could go both ways. So don't be deceived by people's emotion in worship, by people laying down at the front or, you know, uh, jumping up and down or just, you know, inwardly they no connection with God. No connection with him. You know, Stephen Charik, which is a, an incredible 
Uh, he's got about five, six volumes of work and is a Puritan, said this, it is a sad thing to be Christians at supper, heathens in our shops and devils in our closets. We read that again. It is a sad thing to be Christians at a supper. You know, the, you know, we all pray before a meal and we're all being nice to one another. And then heathens at our workplace. We don't want to show, you know, that, you know, we don't want it to be awkward for, for anyone else. And, and so maybe they, they just act uh, like everybody else. They just sort of blend in. They, 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 they act like everybody else just so that they don't have to deal with that awkwardness. And, and then in the closet when nobody's looking and no one even has the chance to look, they live like the devil. That is what hypocrisy is. Robert Murray McShane he said this, it is a mark of a hypocrite to be Christian, a Christian everywhere but at home. It's so true, isn't it? Hypocrisy is a big deal, and Jesus is putting his finger on this. He's not letting it go. He's not moving on. He's exposing hypocrisy, as we all should expose hypocrisy through the word of God. We need to expose hypocrisy through God's word. They continued to pretend, and Jesus wasn't having any of that. They measured holiness by their outward uh, going through the motions. And and Jesus wasn't shedding light on, by the way, I just want to say this, he wasn't wasn't casting shade, I should say, on, on the sacrificial system that was always meant to be done with a pure heart. As you bring your animal, as you go, you know, celebrate the Passover or you celebrate, uh, you know, the Day of Atonement or, you know, you, 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 they had all these different ways to, to make, to get you right with God and, and right with each other. And, and it was always been, meant to be done with a pure heart. It was never meant to, to just go through the motions. And, 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 and so Jesus is saying, uh, look, I'm not going to let you get away with this anymore. Uh, and, and, and I love how they, he doesn't even really a- answer his questions. Is why do your disciples not walk according to the tradition of elders? He saves that for the time with his disciples in the next session. Next week we'll talk more about that. But he goes right to the heart of the matter. And if you're discipling somebody who is in hypocrisy, the only way that's going to open up their hearts to the truth is revealing the scripture to them. It's not... It's not, you can't force people to, you can't, you can't change a man's heart. It, 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 only God can do that. And so we pray for, for them and we continue to show them the scriptures Jesus modeled for us and how to deal with hypocrisy. Hypocrisy will always be exposed. Matthew Henry says this, that if man's religion prevails not to conquer and cure the wickedness of their hearts. In other words, if it doesn't work, I mean, it's supposed to, I mean, man's religion is supposed to change people's hearts. And he's using religion in a good sense of the term. And a relationship with God, it will not always serve for a cloak. If it's a false religion, it will never hide ultimately. It will eventually crumble. The day is coming when hypocrites will be stripped of their fig leaves. (laughs) They will be exposed. And maybe you remember a time when you were exposed as well, when, when maybe during a message or or watching somebody's life, uh, a testimony, and hearing the, the genuineness of, 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 of conversion or a genuineness of, of how they treated people around them. And, and you just you saw somebody's heart be exposed in a good way, and, and that exposed your hard-heartedness. 
And you realize, man, my fig, <laughs> fig leaf is, 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 is being, is, is my, everything's being exposed, right? I mean, I, I'm, I'm, I'm caught red-handed. I'm, uh, I, it just, you, you feel undone. Uh, like Isaiah, uh, you feel undone in the presence of God. You feel disintegrated all over the floor, just even in that moment. And you want to hide, and you can't, because God's got your number. Augustine said it this way, that it is not the being seen of men that is wrong. It, it, it could be, hypocrisy is, is more subtle than that. But doing these things for the purpose of being seen of men, the problem with the hypocrite is his motivation. He does not want to be holy. He, wants, he only wants to seem holy in front of others. He has no intentions of being holy. It, it's, it, it just, he wants to seem holy in front of people. He's more concerned with his reputation for righteousness than about actually becoming righteous. The approbation of men matters more to him than the approval of God. And Paul called that out even in, in Galatians 1.10 when he said, what are you, gonna, you can't both win the approval of men and God at the same time. It's impossible to do that. And Jesus even said the same, you can't serve God and manna. And so let me ask you this, is your life sending uh, the wrong message is the way you live your life. Are people watching? Would people say, honestly, if they, if they thought of you, would they say, I see hypocrisy in that person? Or that person is just a straight up hypocrite. I just don't know what to say. I don't know how to, how to talk to that person. Maybe you know people in your households, your family, your workplace. And there's someone here and I, 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 I can't, not believe that there are hypocrites even in this room this morning that God wants to expose so that he wants to draw you near. And you can see even he says in Joel that he is slow in anger. He is compassionate. He is loving. He, is, he wants to draw. In fact, Jesus is even giving them a call even to himself. He doesn't want to abandon them even in their hypocrisy. Does your, ad, does your actions always match your attitudes? Does your action match your attitude? It is so easy to fool people in this church. It is super easy to come into ADS or a life group or Sunday service and, and just go through the motions and even set up and tear down uh, and we could say, oh, wow, look at all these people. They just give everything. They give every. You know how many times I've been fooled by that? I, I would share a testimony. I would say, man, this guy is like, wow, he, he had, he's given everything up. He works so hard. It's amazing. And then weeks later, it just be, something would get exposed. And I'm not saying that you can't honor people. I'm not saying you can't do that. But, but be careful. Don't be fooled. And especially if you're on the other side, uh, the other end of that, receiving all that accolades. And be careful what that does to you. You you could further harden your heart. You can further go deeper and deeper and deeper into hypocrisy. It's so easy. It's so easy to do that. As we talked about even a couple weeks back when we we exposed Herod's heart and and, and just seeing how it it is easy to continue to ignore God's word, to ignore the, the promptings of the spirit, of, of just uh, little by little, we become harder and harder and harder and harder. 
that we no longer are sensitive to the Holy Spirit anymore. That's a scary thought. That's terrifying. That could happen to all of us. None of us are immune to this. The more churchgoer you are, the more you can become hypocritical. This isn't talking to like lost people. Like, you know, as I was on in San Francisco, it's just lost people, people super far from God, nothing to do with religion. Yeah, lost people can be hypocritical, sure. But the warning is, is in the, in, inside Judaism, as you see in this passage. It's inside the, the religious community. It's in church. It is so easy to find yourself in legalism and hypocrisy and, and just going through the motion. And Jesus is saying, don't do that. Your heart's going to become harder and harder and harder. And in a moment here, we're going to see how hard that actually gets as, he, as we move into verse 9 through 13, as we see an illustration that Jesus says. And I'm going to give you a story to show how hard-hearted you are, to show you how when you, when you put tradition over Scripture, when you allow your heart to become hypocritical, this is the kind of stuff, the kind of evil that people do, and it always affects people around you. Your sin will affect the people around you. It's the old illustration of the ripple effect. As you throw a rock in there, it just keeps rippling, affecting everybody else around you. And in the hypocriticalness of your heart, you think, it's only me. It's just private. It's just between me and God. It's foolish to think that way because of what he's about to say here in verse 9. He says, he, and he was also saying to them, this is Jesus, you are good at setting aside the commandment of God in order to keep your tradition. I love how he says that. You're good at this. This is one thing that you're really good at is being a hypocrite. You're really, really good at that. For Moses said, honor your father and your mother. In another, uh, not a translation, but in Matthew, it says, the scripture says. For Moses says, and the scripture says, it's the same thing. So God says, or Moses said, the scripture says, it's the inerrant word of God. Honor your father and your mother. And he who speaks evil of father or mother is to be put to death. They're the death penalty for just dishonoring mom and dad. Mom and dad the moms and dads in the room are probably like, <laughs> probably wish you kind of had <laughs> the, <laughs> that institution in America. And no, there wouldn't be many kids alive, would there? <laughs> it's by the grace of God. No, but if you, if you did, if you dishonored mom or dad, you could be liable of the death penalty. This is from Exodus 20. Verse 12 and 17. But you say, if a man says to his father, I love that, is you say, you have an addition to scripture and it's corrupting your heart. You say this, if a man says to his father or his mother, whatever might benefit me from me is Corbin, that is to say, given to God. You no longer leave him to do anything for his father or his mother. Thus, invalidating the word of God by your tradition, which you have handed down, and you do many things like this. Your whole life is full of this. Just remember Matthew 6, and they corrupted prayer. Remember? 
They would walk into the streets and they would just, they, they, would, they would pray out loud to show everybody, look, we are pious. See, we are holy. They would do the same with fasting. They would, they would walk around making everybody think, oh, woe is me. Look, I, I'm, I'm, I'm starving. You see me, I'm much thinner now. And, 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 you know, I'm fasting all the time because I'm doing this for the Lord. It's showy. It's phony. It's hypocritical. It's fake, as we might say, right? And then also giving. Giving they corrupted. They wanted everyone to know. Why? Because they weren't satisfied with just giving to God because they had no relationship with God. That wasn't satisfying. What was satisfying? To make everybody else like them. Their number one goal is to make everybody say, wow, those guys are amazing. They're really holy. They're really trustworthy. And Jesus is saying, do not trust them. Do not trust these people. And so Mark puts... 13 verses in here, and we'll kind of continue that next week into the heart of man for the next so many verses. He's showing us that all of us can do the same by one, putting tradition over scripture, two, not guarding your heart towards hypocrisy, and three, not guarding your heart towards a cold heart your life will affect so many people negatively if you do those three things. And look, God's intention was that kids would honor their father and mother for life. They were to take care of them. It's not just for Asian cultures as as we might know, right? It's for everyone to take care of your father. Your mother and father took care of you for at least 18 years if not longer, for you know, those 30-year-olds that are still at home and, you know, working. And, but they gave everything to you when you were helpless and they changed your diaper and they fed you and they'd done everything for you. There might come a time as you're like, after your prime, you're in your 20s and 30s and 40s and 50s and 60s and you're going for it and you're living life and mom and dad are okay. And then there's a time when mom and dad are not going to be okay. And they're going to need help. And they're going to need you to take them in, perhaps. And give your life back to them who's given your life to you in the early stages of your life. It's payback. It's, it's paying back. It's giving back. And these knuckleheads found a way to get away with that. Around it. A loophole. That's what legalism is. Yeah, sure, legalism is, is, is you know, earning favor with God and legalism can also uh, be putting tradition over the Bible and controlling people with your, uh, you know, with your, your, your new rules. But legalism is also finding loopholes. It's finding a way out of something so that it can please your flesh. We do that all the time, don't we? We find, I, oh, I could just get so far to that line and sort of stay there on that line of sin and holiness. Because you like it. Admit it. You like your sin. You love your sin. That's why you do it. And Jesus is saying, look, your heart's being exposed right now and there is a chance for you to repent, but I'm showing you the fact that you're taking advantage of vulnerable people 
And what they did with Corbin, which is even horrific of just saying it, look, I'm giving all my wealth to God, so therefore I can't really help you. So sorry, mom and dad, I can't do that. But what they could do, there was another loophole that they could, that they could use, I guess. And what they did was they couldn't give that money to another person if they didn't want to give it to God. They could use it for themselves. Somehow in the loophole, they could technically spend that money to God for themselves. So that was what they were trying to do. Ultimately, they're going to spend the cash. It wasn't going to God. And really, if it was going to God, if it was going to be a worshipful experience of giving your money, that would have been a wonderful thing, but give it to your parents who need it. Help them. And they were trying to find a loophole to get out of that and still feel good about themselves. And Jesus is saying, you can't feel good about yourself when you do stuff like that. There's no assurance of salvation. I always hear that all the time. People are like, oh, assurance of salvation, assurance of salvation, you know, reform theology. This is amazing. Assurance of salvation. Why can't I experience this? You can't experience assurance of salvation because your heart is still in sin. It's impossible to experience assurance of salvation. The peace with God if we have hypocritical hearts. That's impossible. You're asking for something that is impossible. Now, do I believe in assurance of salvation? Absolutely. Perseverance of the saints? Yes. Once saved, always saved? Yes. Can't lose your salvation? Yes. But you cannot take advantage of that doctrine. You cannot think that once saved, always saved. This is what the problem is with the uh, young, young and restless reform guys back in the day, Mark Driscoll and all those guys that were cool, hip reform guys and like just trying to be like, we're, we're reform resurgence. Woo! You know, let's, you know, and they're like, we could cuss and have a Bible study and, and also drink beer and it's great because there's so, so much freedom, free, free, free. They were in bondage just as much as anybody else. They were kidding themselves. They were foolish and it didn't last, did it? The whole thing crumbled. And who did it affect? People in Seattle, one of the most unchurched places in America. Your hypocrisy will affect everyone around you. It's just trying to see what you could get away with and, and still have the pleasure of God on your life. Instead of being like, I don't want nothing to do with sin. God, help me to hate sin. Help me to hate it as much as you do. Help me to love what you love and hate what you hate. That is the kind of devotion that God loves. That is the kind of prayer he'll answer. When you get finally honest about your hypocrisy, when you get honest about the, the, the coldness of your heart and trying to find a loophole, really, you're playing a game with God and he knows it. He can see it. He can see right through that. I could tell lunch is going to be very uncomfortable today. <laughs> the scriptures should have convicted them and brought them to repentance. And instead, what they did was add to it, add to it, add to it, add to it, add to it. To the point where they were calloused. The point where all they wanted to do was just think that they found favor with God, be showy, 
grab all the attention from everyone else around them. Everyone else thought, hey, they're okay. We're the sinful ones. We should be asking them questions. Woe is me. You know, and they felt great. They loved the long lines. They loved the, the accolades. They loved all that stuff. They treasured that. And then they would find loopholes so that they can satisfy their flesh. And so everyone would say, wow, look at that guy. He's amazing. He gave all his money to God. All his money that he wanted to save for vacation, it all went towards San Francisco. What a wonderful, amazing Christian he is. Fooling everybody in the church. Meanwhile, all you want to do is take a snapshot of the Golden Gate Bridge. The reality is, we can be like that. We want a vacation with our friends. Call it a mission trip. We want to just kind of find the loopholes and, and, and satisfy the flesh and enjoy life and, and have all these things, but yet look pious at the same time. Don't you think that's in all of us? Of course it is. Even as I'm saying that right now, I'm like, man, Lord, that's so true in so much of our life. Who do you think you're fooling? The best thing to do is say, God, would you get rid of my hypocritical heart? Do you remember the, the man in Luke 18? He, he's, he's beating his breast. He's saying, I, I, the, the tax collector and the, and the, and the, the uh, Pharisee, there's a comparison. And I would imagine that at that moment when Jesus is sharing that, I would imagine at that moment there's, there's somebody watching off to the side and saying, I wonder who Jesus is going to like. I wonder who Jesus is going to, who's going to treasure. Who's, who, who's going to come out on, the, on top? Who's going to be the winner of this cool story? Because I love Jesus' stories. And he's saying, you know what? These two men, they, they went out for a day and they were, they were about to get into worship. There's two men even come through these doors every week. And in life group, there's always, there's two men. There's one tax collector, there's one sinner, and there's one Pharisee who's done church for pretty much most of his life. He grew up that way. And Jesus is saying, you know, the tax collector goes over here and he's beating his breast and he can't even look at God because he realizes the hypocriticalness in his heart, realizes the sin in his heart. He realizes, I spent all my money on foolish things think wicked thoughts. I'm not real with God or with people. I don't know how you can look at me. And then meanwhile, this guy, he's like, look, I, I'm, I'm taking a bath every time I'm going to the marketplace. I have no demons on my hands, fingernails, hidden crevices of my wrinkles and my fingers. There's no demons there because I wash every day. I wash the pots. I do everything I'm supposed to do according to the Talmud. I'm not like these people. I'm not like the people in Castro, the gay community of San Francisco. I'm not like these people. I never had a wicked thought, a homosexual thought in a day of my life. Not like any of these people. Give. In fact, I'm even under Corbin right now. My money's going directly to God. And Jesus is saying to the people all around him, there's only one man that went home justified. 
and it isn't who you think. It's the one who solely relied on mercy. It's the one who cried out for mercy. God, I can fool you with my actions, but I can't fool you with the thoughts of my heart. I can't fool you with the motivations of my heart. You might as well just get right, you know? It's a moment. It's a moment right now to just come and repent, realize Isaiah 64, 6, all your self-righteous works are what, what? Filthy rags in sight of a holy God. Who are you kidding? You want everyone to know that you just gave a thousand bucks to somebody to go to San Francisco? You're more interested in people knowing your generosity than you do about just pleasing God, knowing that all money belongs to him and he can dictate where it goes. And I don't need anything out of it. I don't need to let my right hand know what my left hand's doing, my left know what my right. I can pray in the comfort, I can pray in my home, I can pray lousy in public, but play, pray fervently in private. Some of us, it's the opposite, right? We just might make sure all of our theology's right, that's all we're concerned with, and everything's just right, and at home we barely even pray. Because nobody's looking. There's no pleasure in that. But yet the Bible says so clearly that their reward has already been given. It's, they've gotten their reward. It's fleeting. It's purposeless. It's meaningless. But those who do it in private, those who have what? A motivation, a right motivation, a non-hypocritical heart, a really true transformed heart, their reward's going to be somewhere else in heaven. And that is what marks true faith. Do you ever think about that? That's actually what marks true faith. It was like, I don't care if anybody knows this. I just have God's pleasure. Jesus is saying, that's the one with true faith. That's the one that's justified. That's the one that's mine. And his disciples are watching all this. They're all watching this, saying, how's he gonna respond? And I would imagine if they were good disciples, they would all said, he got me too. He nailed me. Because a lot of times when we go through these passages, as soon as we see God's commandments, man's traditions, first, first line, and the Pharisees and scribes, we're like, all right, tune me out, next one. I'm not a Pharisee. No. If we're not careful, we will allow hip- hypocrisy to reign in our hearts. And when it does, we'll become cold-hearted like them and hurt everyone else around us. It's simply not worth it. And God's given us this morning a chance to repent, a chance to get right with them, and a chance to say, you know what, I don't want to be like that. In fact, maybe even you're so callous, you don't even know. It's even there. I mean, you even want it. Like you're like saying, oh, I, I, I kind of want to be leveled today <laughs> it's in the presence of God, but I don't know how that happens. So he knows how to do that. He knows how to do that. And the most honest prayer you could say is just, Lord, just expose whatever you want right now in, in my heart. Just expose it. I, I just, and maybe you've overcome sin and you want everyone else to know that. Oh, look at how good I am. I've been really good the last three months. Man, I'm not the same as I was a year ago, right? Right? I wasn't the same, right? I want everyone else to know your piety. 
and how you've grown in the Christian faith. That's, that's not what I see in Scripture as a genuine Christian. What I see is someone living a quiet life, humble life. First Thessalonians 4, growing in love, growing in sanctification, growing in purity, living a quiet life, honoring those around us. God's got it. He's going to reward me. But one thing I hate, me personally, I hate is the, how so it's so easy to be with a bunch of Christians in the room and just to begin to compare to begin to just compare with one another and see this wicked heart. And maybe you're, you're, you've conquered a slew of sins, right? And you feel so great about that. And then all of a sudden God puts you in this, 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 this right moment, you know, with, and he's exposing your heart and do not harden it. Because the, today is, is today, 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 do not harden Hebrews 3. Do not harden your hearts, but repent. It's the best thing, it's the best gift you can give yourself today. And really that's a gift that only God can give. It's true repentance from a hypocritical heart. And so as I pray for you this morning, I, I believe God wants to, to do that uh, as we take his word seriously because that is the only thing that's gonna expose our hearts is the word of God. I love what J.C. Ryle says, that whenever a man takes upon him to make additions to the scriptures, this is exactly what they were doing that led to their hypocrisy, he is likely to end with valuing his own additions above scripture itself. That was the key issue in this passage, is Jesus is exposing, look, look what happens when you put traditions over the scripture. Look what happens when the scripture is not centerpiece of your life and allowing yourself to be convicted on a daily basis. Do not leave the quiet place. Do not leave your Bible study. Do not leave life group unchanged. Do not leave this building unchanged. How foolish that would be. How wasteful of a time that would be to leave here the same. To come in here and to be one person and to know that there's some things that need to be worked out and say, nah, That's for somebody else. Nah, I'm good. And Jesus is saying, look, take this opportunity before we move further and deeper into the gospel of Mark. Take this opportunity and do evaluation. Is there hypocrisy in your heart or has it even become a point where now you become hardened and you've hurt other people as a result of that? Let's pray. Father, thank you so much for your word. Thank you that even though it is challenging and it's hard and we, we could easily, because of our flesh, we're prone to wander, as that song says, that hymn. We're so prone to wander every day of our life. Who are we kidding? That we might be doing the right actions, but at the same time, it's, our motives are off and our attitude is off. And yeah, sure, we're doing the task and leadership. Maybe even you find yourself as a leader this morning too just going through the motions and just doing the tasks so everybody can watch and see how great you are. Father, forgive them, forgive me, forgive us. Pray that you would work in our hearts, that we would be genuine believers, a light to our city. So much of this city, so much of the world is religious, legalistic, finding loopholes. 
gaining popularity based on our works. May it be genuine. May we see people 